and I and I really attribute that to the freedom lifestyle and having the capacity and the space every day to take care of myself. Welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series, a series that is so much more than just a podcast series. This is a movement towards freedom in life and in work and about taking a lifestyle you know you deserve. I'm your host, Sam, and I have always admired working where you want, when you want, and how you want. Just like my guests, I found my version of the freedom lifestyle, and I'm sharing all the secrets for how you can too. The freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? Thank you for tuning in to another episode. This is a mini milestone moment as we've now reached 10 episodes. Wild, exciting. I've actually been connecting with other podcast hosts recently as a way to share insights and kind of grow together. And I'm so incredibly impressed when I meet someone who's done like 50 or even 100 episodes. It takes a lot of work to build a podcast. I, I, I won't deny that. But surprisingly, it doesn't necessarily have to break the bank. I actually taped all of season one on my iPhone and using free software on my computer. So it's definitely doable. I've had a bunch of people reach out to me who want to start a podcast. They see it as a great way to build thought leadership and their personal brands and ultimately you know, drive real business outcomes. But they're intimidated with where to start. So I've decided I'm going to pilot a workshop concept about how you can launch a podcast on a budget. I'm going to be hosting the first one in June at Make Lemonade, our friends there. If you're interested, I'll be releasing all the details on our Facebook group and in our email newsletter. So make sure you're part of one of those, both of those, no pressure, but they'll only be 14 spots. Okay, that's enough. Plugging my own stuff, practicing that art of shamelessness, easier said than done. Today is our 10th episode. I'm excited to introduce you to Elle Belger, who has the freedom lifestyle, but still works for someone else. This episode brings a really fresh perspective to our movement, and it's great for someone who might not want to be an entrepreneur or a freelancer, and that is totally friggin' okay. Love that we get to share this perspective with you. Also, make sure you listen to the full thing because we wrap up this episode with Elle sharing the story of how she flipped the script and proposed to her boyfriend, I guess her fiance now, in Mexico just a few weeks ago. It's super inspiring. With no further ado, I introduce to you Elle. Elle, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I've uh, been following this podcast very closely since it came out. It's a, a movement that I really identify with. You've been such a great supporter. You're always tweeting and sharing my podcast, so I really appreciate that. And I'm super excited to tell your story today because I feel like it's one that hasn't been told yet on my podcast And that's a story of someone who has the freedom lifestyle while still working for someone else. 
Indeed. I uh, work at a digital marketing agency called Pinch Social. It's just me and the founder. So I'm very much the second in command. It's sort of like um, entrepreneurship or startup boot camp in a way. And I get all the benefits of living the freedom lifestyle and having that flexibility while still having a mentor and somebody else who carries a little bit more of the burden than I do when it comes to running a business. That's amazing. And I've met Michelle. She's awesome. She's so a rock star. I know you ladies are in, in great hands. And I think what's great about this episode is it really showcases that the freedom lifestyle does look different for everyone. And it doesn't always mean quit your job, start a business. So the first question is easy for you. How does freedom lifestyle resonate with you? What does it mean to you? For me, it's more of a feeling than it is anything else. When I think about where I was a couple of years ago when I was working in a corporate job at a medium-sized business, um, and I was forced to be in a cubicle every day from nine to five, I felt trapped. And I found that it was this constant cycle of starting these jobs and getting really excited at the start, but then that excitement sort of tapering off and my ability to get distracted increasing, my frustrations and that feeling of being trapped continued to grow. Now, my office is across the street. It's there if and when I need it, but I have I feel free. I can go to the gym in the morning. I can take a break in the afternoon if I have a headache or if I'm just not being productive. I can optimize every single day so that I am my best person every single day so that I'm doing good work, so that I'm taking care of myself, so that I'm seeing friends and family um, whenever pretty much I want to. Yeah, it's it really is just this feeling of freedom. I'm so happy for you that you've achieved it. How long has it been? How long have you been with Pinch Social? So I joined November of 2015, so two and a half years now. Okay, and have you always worked on small teams or what were you doing exactly right before this? So I was more focused in the fashion business, in marketing. Previously to Pinch Social, I had three different opportunities to work at medium-sized businesses in the fashion industry in Toronto. And I would say that those teams ranged from maybe four to 15 people. So small-ish teams, but still you know, part of a larger organization where you had to be at the office every day. Um, but before that, I actually had my own jewelry business for eight years. So I started that when I was 15 years old, um, and it really did teach me what it takes to be an entrepreneur in this day and age. I mean, at the time, I was still a student, so it was very much a side hustle. But it taught me all the different elements. It taught me, you know, you need sales skills. You need to learn how to create point-of-sale promotional material. You need to learn how to market yourself. And it was an incredible eight years. I learned so much, but I ultimately realized that, you know, I'm not quite ready to be a sole proprietor or a sole or a solo entrepreneur at this point. How did you know you weren't ready? The amount of risk that it required to, you know, make that your full-time job, I think was just, is just doesn't feel right for me yet. And I don't know if I'll ever be ready or whether I'm much more of a supporter than I am, um, you know, a, a business leader. But for right now, I'm learning a ton and I feel like the amount of risk that I'm taking on is appropriate for what I'm ready to deal with. So I know from personal experience that working for someone else or in a small company where you have limited resources and not full control over things as you would if it was your own business, for better or for worse, have you ever regretted the decision to join this small team? What are some of the challenges you face in it? That is a great question. So I joined Pinch Social in November of 2015. 
January of 2016, I land our first big client, and then literally two weeks later, I get sick with mono, and I have to miss six weeks of work in recovery. I tried to go back to work too early, and I relapsed, and it was a real slap in the face. I was healthy enough six weeks later, and then it was a mad dash to produce Social Media Week, which is um, a conference that Michelle and I produce here in Toronto. And then three weeks later, I fell off a zip line, and I was really injured. My ankle was dislocated by about 90 degrees. It was four breaks. I It was several surgeries, a lot of physio, and again, for another, I want to say six to eight weeks, I wasn't able to work. And during that time, you know, I wasn't able to go on sick term or uh, sick leave. I didn't have any benefits to help me cover the physio or, um, you know, any of the other antibiotics that I had to pay for out of pocket. Because you're working and for a startup that didn't yeah, have those. Exactly. And at that point, it really made me question whether I had made the right decision. So I started to go off and network with other startups um, and, you know, see what other opportunities were available for me. And then a little bit later, I would say towards the end of 2016, Michelle had her own personal issues and I had to step up and really man the fort while she was, you know, taking care of some, some personal business. And I would say by the end of 2016, I realized that we actually make a really good partnership. We have the ability to cover each other's backs. It made me realize how much I had learned in the last nine months, and it made me realize how resilient I was. A few months later, one of those companies that I was interviewing with came back with a really great offer, and it made me write out lots of pros and cons lists. And ultimately, at the end of some, some major you know, self-evaluation, I realized that I was looking to other opportunities out of fear. And the reality was that my heart was still at Pinch Social. I, I love the industry. I love the autonomy. And I have not looked back since. And I also want to say that I now get health benefits through my fiance, which is beautiful. <laughs> so, Elle, another thing that I know about you is you are an awesome advocate for mental health and self-care. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that as much as you're willing to share where would you say you are at in that journey of yours? So I would say it's a work in progress, but when I was a teenager, I suffered from an anxiety disorder that ultimately led to an eating disorder. And I was hospitalized for six weeks and uh, physically was stable when I left the hospital. But the majority of us who have dealt with mental health issues know that they don't go away overnight. And um, there are definitely aspects of those old coping strategies that stayed with me throughout the next phases of my life. So throughout university and throughout my, my corporate jobs. And I found that leaving the corporate world and living the freedom lifestyle has been instrumental in me going from somebody who sort of had this secret to hide to truly being able to identify as someone who doesn't have an eating disorder or an anxiety disorder, I'm pretty normal. And I, and I really attribute that to the freedom lifestyle and having the capacity and the space every day to take care of myself. Whether that means saying, okay, I'm overstimulated, I need to take a break for an hour, I'm gonna go to the gym or I'm gonna go you know, meditate. And I find that that really 
um, keeps me mentally stable throughout the throughout the rest of the day. What would your advice be for women that want to make some changes in their lives? But if you look into self care and like, there's so much you can do. There's meditation. There's journaling. There's working out. There's changing your eating. There's changing toxic relationships. Like, there's now so much advice out there on how to take care of yourself that I find it even overwhelming sometimes. It is overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, and it's impossible to do it all. It's a fluid process, you know. When I was 19 years old and I was having trouble sleeping, this meditation uh, by this fellow named Eli Bay was the perfect thing to help me. And now as I'm dealing with other issues, there are other coping strategies that um, are supporting me in the phase that I'm in right now. So I would say always make sure that you're investing in your own mental health. Make time and space for you for at least 30 minutes every single day and continue to try different um, coping strategies. There, it's, it's beautiful that there are so many resources out there and that they're so easy to incorporate into your life through YouTube and through apps and through groups that are free to join. I love that you brought up technology because that's actually where I wanted this conversation to go next. The social media industry, it's met with a lot of criticism when it comes to mental health and self-care, these platforms, they are designed to keep you on them longer and tech addiction is a real thing. So given that you're both an advocate of mental health as well as a social media superstar, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, it's definitely um, a, a topic that I continue to think about and to explore every day. It's funny that you bring that up. So at Social Media Week last year in November, I put together a panel of social media professionals from different aspects of the business. Um, and we all got together and we brainstormed you know, how we can prevent burnout, especially for people who work in the social media industry. Because I find that the trend with so many of my friends who don't work in the industry, they just take breaks. They delete their Facebook off their phone for a month or two and then they come back, but we don't have that privilege. So when I think about you know the different, I guess, rituals that you can incorporate into your everyday life to minimize the negative impacts of social media, there are a few things that come to mind. I'm sure all of us know, don't sleep with your phone beside your, be beside your bed and get off technology at least an hour before you go to sleep. I find that that's really important for maintaining quality of sleep. I deleted the notifications off my phone. I no longer get notifications when my clients get a retweet or a Facebook like or an Instagram comment. And Originally, I was really intimidated to do that, but the reality is nobody is going to suffer if I don't see a tweet at 9 o'clock p.m. one night and I don't see it until 7 a.m. the next morning. And I find that it helps me become more purposeful when I'm spending time on social media and I say, okay, the next 30 minutes I'm going to get caught up on this client on Instagram as opposed to, you know, seeing the notifications on your phone and then going and, you know, checking what's going on every single time they come in. I would also say taking short breaks from social media. I mean, even if you're just challenging yourself to go half a day on a weekend without technology, just to remind yourself what it's like to not have your phone beside you and it feel like an organ that you always have to check. Absolutely. No, those are great insights. And definitely not looking at your phone before bed is so important. I think it's easier if you have a roommate or if you live with your partner because you can just chat with them. But sometimes it's just me by myself. Well, it is me by myself. I live by myself. So it's so tempting to like make that part of how I unwind, but trying to sub in social media with a book.
Now let's talk about the opportunity of social media because there is such great things you can use these platforms for, especially if you're looking to have the freedom lifestyle and grow your personal brand or start a business. So given that you are so suave when it comes to social media, any tips? I definitely think taking advantage of everybody who you meet in person and developing that relationship with them on social media. I mean, every business card that I receive, I look them up not only on LinkedIn, but on Instagram and Twitter as well. Facebook, I would say, is is definitely more for, for personal uh, use for the majority of us. So yeah, it's a great way to connect with people and stay and stay up to date with them, even if you've only met them briefly at one event. What are some social media faux pas? What are some things people should avoid on social media? Sharing too many Instagram stories. All of us are on Instagram. It's the new Snapchat. We're all wasting time there. I see how many of my followers follow my stories and I find it really tacky and irritating when people post like 20 or 30 stories. Keep it to like between two and eight. And A I day think you're or what? Like per story. Oh, got like, it. Yeah. Like I, I view them as sort of chapters in a chapter book. Got it. Um, and I think it's irritating when they go on too long. Now I'm excited to hop into some personal stuff because you've recently done something that I think is so badass and I think it would be such a missed opportunity if we didn't discuss it on this episode. So you recently flipped the script and you proposed to your boyfriend, right? I did. My fiance now. Your I need fiance, to remember that. Right. Him that. And you did it in Mexico just I a few did. weeks ago. I'll never forget seeing the photo and just being like, oh, I need to talk to her about this. <laughs> that was literally my like out loud reaction. So how did you come up with this idea? Did you know of other women that have done this, that inspired you to do this? So I had a dream mid-January, and I don't really remember the dream, but you know when you're just waking up from a dream where you're like, okay, I know that I'm not dreaming, but that you're soaking and you're basking in that feeling of whatever the dream left you with? So I was overwhelmed with that feeling. And as I continued to wake up and reality hit, it occurred to me, oh, wait a second, you know, women don't generally do this. And Louis, my, my fiance and I had talked about getting engaged at some point this year, but we had never talked about the idea of me proposing or of any female proposing. To answer your question, I don't know a soul, a, a female soul who's proposed. I know that Pink has done it. And I remember an interview with her maybe like five or six years ago where she said she did. And I thought, oh, wow, that's so badass. That's so dope. Um, so anyways, I, I just kind of sat with the feeling for a little while. Uh, a month later, I decided that I was going to propose, whether it was me initiating it or me kind of flipping <laughs> uh, as soon as he proposed, kind of pulling out a ring and saying, will you marry me too? I knew that I wanted to ask the question in some way. I just wasn't sure how. So I had a ring made up. We ended up booking this trip to Mexico very last minute. We were both dealing with some burnout symptoms. I brought the ring with me just to keep the door open. 24 hours in, I realized that, you know, this is one of those rare, beautiful moments where we were in flow and had nothing but time to focus on each other and on our relationship and I couldn't think of another opportunity when I would have you know that type of, of setup available to me so I decided that I was gonna do it Sunday rolls around and my head starts to get to me in my gut I think I always knew that it was the right thing but in my head I started to question and wonder will Louis feel demasculated will he think that this is me saying that he's not moving fast enough. I was worried that he would take it the wrong way. 
And at some point that afternoon, he was shuffling through my knapsack and oh picked up the box that the ring was in. And it was I, a ring for him, right? It was a, Not ring a ring for, for him. You? Okay, yes. yeah, man engagement rings are like in right now. I've been seeing yeah. them actually. Okay. So anyways, I knew that, I mean, he, he didn't think anything of it, but I freaked out. And so I ran over and I grabbed the ring out of, or the box out of his hand. And I said, give me that. And he looked at me like, what is going on? And I said, I, I just want to be prepared, okay? And then he looked at me with a, oh my goodness, are you talking about what I think you're talking about? And then I burst into tears. And I said, I'm sorry, Louis, we've never talked about it, but I really want to ask the question to you too. I don't have anything planned, even though I did, but I want to be prepared if and when the moment hits. And he was truly touched. I knew that this was the right thing. I had gotten the validation that I needed. So then it came down to just like the regular nerves that everybody deals with. So Monday rolls around. Um, I tell Louie that I want to go to dinner on the beach. Um, So we start walking down there and I blindfold him halfway through and then he knows what's up. I swear I could, I could feel his pulse from his heartbeat from his hand. So I walked him, I guided him down to this private part of the beach that uh, was meant for wedding receptions, but nobody had it booked out at that point. And I popped the question and he was thrilled. He said that a million times yes, that was his answer. We had a very quick um, photo shoot. Uh, Although it felt awkward, the photographer was able to catch some really beautiful and raw moments. And I really hope that those photos help to empower other women who are thinking about this. And I will add that as soon as I knew that I wanted to propose to Louis at some point, this was a few months prior, I asked him for uh, a ring for my birthday and he gave it to me a few days before I proposed as a promise ring. And right after I proposed to him, I said, Louie, can I wear this ring on my ring finger? I really want people to know that I'm taken too. And he said, yeah, but I'm still going to do my own proposal. So that's just a placeholder. So I think it's really cool how two people can propose to each other. I think it takes two to tango. And it makes you realize, you know, how how nerve-wracking it is to ask somebody to spend the rest of your life with you. But it's it's... I think probably the most empowering thing I've ever done. So ladies, if if you're feeling inspired by this story, there's nothing holding you back. That's wonderful. And so now you're expecting a proposal at some point soon, but that's still kind of a surprise. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like Christmas because you know presents are coming. You just know, (laughs) don't know when it is. All right, Elle, well, we are nearing the end of this podcast episode. I think this has been so lovely to have you. Thank you so much for sharing a lot of vulnerable and very real personal stories. I feel like I don't get to do that enough on the show, so I appreciate you letting us go there. What's next for you? Where are you hoping to take your freedom lifestyle? I mean, apart from getting married and planning a wedding, I feel like I'm really good where I am. I feel like things are progressing naturally. I feel like working in social media, it's such a fast-paced environment, and there is so much learning to happen every single day that, you know, I'm never bored and we're continuing to expand the scope that we do with different clients. We're getting cooler clients with bigger advertising budgets. Um, I will add as well that Social Media Week this year, we are an official Social Media Week Yes, um, let's plug that. When is that happening? So that is the second week of November. Uh, We're still confirming the details, but it will be happening somewhere in downtown Toronto that's accessible to everybody. And yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at, just sort of the same the same path, but um cool new things continuing to happen. Amazing. Well, we will definitely follow you along on that journey and everyone go check out Elle's Instagram. You can see that epic photo of her proposal. What's your Instagram <laughs> handle? Elle Bulger, spelled E-L-L-E-B-U-L-G-E-R. Amazing. We'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Elle. It was great to have you. Thanks so much, Sam. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode and staying with it to the end. That means so much to me. And if you know me, you know that loyalty is one of my top values. And so I really just am so thankful to be 10 episodes into this and have a loyal following who I know will listen to my podcast. It's getting a following on a podcast is not that easy. Okay. And all of my listeners, I appreciate and I value and I would love more. So if you're feeling inspired by this, if you feel like it resonates, please share with someone that you think could use this message, who could use that little nudge, or that would just be like, hell yeah, I'm living this too. Preach. I'm into that. Thank you so much. See you here next week.